Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. When they get at the top, people tend to believe or talk to them as leaders. And and the fact that they are in a position of power and authority, you know, they can they can hire and they can fire people and usually they make a lot of money, some of them too much money, I think. Um, that doesn't mean they are leaders per se, they are leading. Some are, some aren't. Um, and this is something that uh, part of the purpose of my book is to educate the people that, that, that they, from my perspective, we should not call them leaders. Mm-hmm. We should call them managers, something else, but not necessarily leaders because one is a leader once that whether they lead, he or she leads or not that's 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 it you know and you don't have to lead all the time you can lead some of the time which why that's why I advocate something I call collective leadership or shared leadership I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Sebastian, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you, good morning. Yeah, thank, uh, so I was introduced to you by way of your publicist, Rob, who um, told me quite a bit about your work around leadership. But before we get into your work um, and the concepts in the book, I want to start by asking you, where did you grow up and what impacted where you grew up end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Look, I grew up in uh, Barcelona, Spain, which uh, happens to be very topical now. And um, I, you know, my 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 growing up, if you like, it was kind of a challenging in in some ways um, because I lost my father at a very early age, and I grew up as a very a confused young man, if you like, in terms of you know finding out what what was it all about and what to do in life. Mm-hmm. And, and then later, at some point, I met a beautiful girl from uh, from Australia. And 36 years ago, I came here and um, uh, ever since, since we got married and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and this, so it happens after. Uh, I did happen to, I did work a lot. I worked for a big management consulting firm. And I did uh, work around the world. I was very privileged from that from that perspective. But but just going back to to your question about uh, how that uh, affected or, or impacted my life, and more in particular uh, the book that I've written and the work that I do. 
Um, it's an interesting question because in, the, in one of the chapters of my book, I talk about this. Uh, I call it the initiation to leadership. Um, it is that I think that sometimes, so for me at least, having difficulty in finding who I was in the world and uh, in a way to express myself, it was very beneficial. I think it's something that, that all of us at some point find, and I think that that is very very important in the in the area of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, the experience of losing a father at an early age. Um, one, you know, how did you overcome it? Um, and you know, why is it that some people get so you know caught up in their losses and their setbacks that they end up becoming defined by them, and other people come out of them having benefited from them? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, I think it's sometimes a matter of time and circumstances. Like the reason why um, I, I found it challenging at the time, it wasn't so much my father's loss per se, which obviously it was somewhat traumatic, but it was something that my mother said to me, which uh, I will never forget, of course. And she said... Um, well, now you're the man of the family and need to look after me and you two younger brothers. So, I mean, I was kind of, I, I didn't know at the beginning, I think it was quite shocked to, to process all this, but that kind of somehow imprinted in my, in my brain or, or in my mind. And, <coughs> and uh, I have to tell you that I failed miserably. Uh, I did not a good job because I had enough uh, difficult in trying to look after myself and um, and uh, you know to deal with that as I grew up I got a lot into heavy drinking drugs and, and so forth you know uh, and so it wasn't until years later that I had to clean up my house so to speak and and more in particular when I was reading uh, books and, and things about leadership and I came across uh, a quote by Abraham Lincoln that he said my concern is not whether you fail or not, but whether you are content with your failure. And then I saw the quotes like from um, Nelson Mandela, you know, that it doesn't matter how many times we fail and we need to stand up and even Bill Gates. So, and then I start to really understand that, that it's okay to fail in life, you know, it's okay as long as you move on. And as you said earlier, you know, you just kind of conceptualize it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, so I also came to realize then reading other things about leadership that if someone never fails in life, well, firstly, that's impossible. It's pretty much impossible. What happens is that people tend to deny it, tend to kind of uh, put it aside and pretend they've never failed. Mm-hmm. And, this, and this takes an incredible amount of energy. Um, but once you fail and you experience what failure is like, you're in a position to to, uh, well, want to help others to, to overcome obstacles, but also gives you a good sense of what is it like to be at the bottom of the barrel. And I think that that's very important in terms of leadership, because after having read all the literature, I came to the conclusion that, um, you know, um, if you've never failed, if you have everything in life and you think you can attain absolutely everything, you actually will abuse power. And there's a lot of... Uh, you know, politicians and, and uh, corporate leaders around the world, that they feel entitled to, you know, rip people off for their own benefit. 
and, and leadership at the end of the day is is to serve others, to be there at the service of others. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I talk about, the, the initiation to leadership. And to teach those things is extremely difficult. Um, so I, I agree that one key question that has been around for a long time, I'm sure you've heard about it, is whether leaders are born or made. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree that leaders are, are made in the sense that leadership can be learned. But um, learning doesn't mean only reading books and listening podcasts. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the knowledge piece, if you like, you know, all acquire information. Yeah. <clears throat> then it's the second level where you acquire skills, what to do. But then it's the third level, we call it the level of being, uh, who you are in the world, what are your values, what are your beliefs, and so forth. You know, what your character is more about character than anything else. Mm-hmm. And this is very difficult to teach. Yeah. This is more about reflecting in, in your own life, you know, like this. I've mentioned my father's death and, and other events, you know, overcoming, kind of stop drinking, for example, you know. Sure. Uh, so so this, this forges your character. And this is very, it can be learned, but it can't be really teach, per se, like you teach something else, a subject matter, yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, um, what lessons that you learned from the family experience of sort of being the oldest uh, of, of three siblings and sort of being put in that position that you've ended up bringing into the business world? Um, well, I think that one of them, perhaps the most important one, is that obviously because you're the oldest of the sibling, you, you expect it to be the new leader. Uh, and is that maybe that happens in organizations that a lot of um, because because people are in a senior management position, which for me actually is different than being a leader. Maybe we can talk about this later. They, they're senior managers, but they're not necessarily leading. But it's the fact that because you're in a particular role or position or sequence in your family, if you like, there is an expectation that you, you will have, well, you, one, that you may know everything and that you can do certain things. It's a, it's a tremendous expectation and I think in the business world, a lot of people feel that way. And I think particularly today that the context has changed so much. I mean, we've gone through so much change and things are, I call it very rapid, a lot of high velocity. There's a lot of turbulence in the world. There's a lot of confusion. Um, some people call it VUCA. Perhaps you've heard about that. Volatility, uncertainty and so forth. So, so they feel they need to know everything. Today is not really necessary. In fact, a, a good leader what might do is surround himself or herself of people that know more than him about certain things, subject matter experts. And it's about extracting this knowledge and this wisdom, if you like, to make decisions and help others to make decisions. But there is no necessarily a need to know everything mm-hmm. and much less in, in today's because it's so much to know. So, um, so, so I think that that's what I see in, in the corporate world that sometimes leaders they feel they need to have all the answers. And maybe maybe in the years, a few years ago, it was like this, but today is certainly not like this. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the problems we're facing today are problems with no answers. And that's, that's something else I talk in the book, the distinction between technical problems and adaptive challenges or wicked problems. So yeah, that's, that's perhaps the biggest lesson that I've learned. Mm-hmm. That it's okay uh, not to know everything, and it's also okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
one of the things that, that has really sort of struck me as somebody who's been pretty, you know, sort of disconnected from the corporate world for such a long time uh, is, you know, we have so many books that have been written about leadership, power, human behavior. And yet you see such a, a wide variation in results that people get in the corporate world. And, and like in, in my mind, I'm kind of like, OK, for every vice president and CEO, there's a thousand people who will never be in that position. Um, why is that? And, and you know, what is your perspective on that? why people get in, in senior management positions. Yeah, I mean, why do we see such a variation in people's sort of ability to thrive in those environments? Well, I think that what the people that – people thrive in those environments and get at the top. I mean, obviously, they are people that are uh, smart, they're intelligent. There's no doubt about that mm -hmm. in, in somehow. And usually, they tend to be uh, very savvy and technical experts in, in a particular area. So because of this, and also I have to say, uh, politics, if you like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> learning, learning to maneuver and, and, and you know, uh, I don't know how to put it, but, but navigating that world of relationships, if you like, but more, more so also of politics and, and in some environments more than others. Like if you talk about politics, politics, obviously there's a lot of politics in there. If you talk about corporations, probably – also politics, but another kind. But if you go to communities, it's the same thing. I think that's unavoidable. So I think some people, some of those people, my guess is that probably very early in age, they learn about how to navigate the, that world of politics. Um, but as I said earlier, I mean, when they get at the top, people tend to believe or talk to them as leaders. And, and the fact that they are in a position of power and authority, you know, they can, they can, hire and they can fire people and usually they make a lot of money some of them too much money i think um that doesn't mean they are leaders per se they are leading some are some aren't um, and this is something that uh, part of the purpose of my book is to educate the people that, that, that they from my perspective we should not call them leaders mm -hmm. we should call them managers something else but not necessarily leaders because one is a leader once that whether they lead, he or she leads or not that's 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 it you know and you don't have to lead all the time you can lead some of the time which why that's why i advocate something i call collective leadership or shared leadership mm -hmm. so do you think there are people who i mean simply don't thrive in sort of the corporate environment like people who are entrepreneurs um, who are trying to force sort of square pegs into round holes by working corporate jobs yeah i mean uh, it, it requires certain degree of stamina uh -huh. it, it requires a degree of putting up with things that you don't like and you don't agree um i, I think also something i mentioned early in my book my first corporate job after I graduated was with a, a very large international management consulting firm and I was sent overseas to a project and I, and I was terrified what I saw because what they were doing, it was quite the opposite of what I've learned and what I believed in. And I made another mistake, <laughs> which was to stay in because I thought oh, things will change. And also, I have to admit, it was my first job. I was getting money. So, you know, I actually um, did not listen to my, my inner voice, if you like, and, and did something which, in hindsight, I should have done different, if you like. And I paid a high price eventually because 
obviously I, they, they saw I wasn't motivated and they fired me. So that's, that's the other lesson, always be true to yourself. But all these things is what, what built my character in a sense. So, so yes, some people are more tolerant of putting up with this um, morass of things, being told what to do. Some people are very creative, like I consider myself creative. Um, the more creative you are, I think, it obviously depends on the organization, but far more difficult is to be in a corporation with a lot of processes and procedures, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so you're in that treadmill. So and that's why entrepreneurship, so, so many entrepreneurs that, that are there thriving today and doing amazing things, you know. So to a degree, it depends on your personality. Um, it depends on, on the area of expertise that you work. So, yeah, it's not for everyone, most definitely. Okay. Well, so I know you, you know, have sort of six key areas that you get into um, in the book. So I want to go into each one in a bit more detail. You know, you talk about current leadership challenges, leading without maps, errors, self-leadership, values and ethics, and uh, leadership and impact on performance. So I want to do a deep dive into each one of those areas. And I think maybe one of the more um, fitting things to talk about, perhaps for the area of current leadership challenges is something like Uber. Like, what is your view on something like that? Oh, yeah, 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 Uber. Well, I mean, Uber is a very interesting phenomenon. In fact, I, I took an Uber yesterday <laughs> and I was talking to, to the guy driving, a young guy, and he was telling me that now they are imposing, um, uh, well, the taxi drivers are really uh, complaining and, and they're going to put restrictions or something. But, but Uber is a, a very good example, I think, of, of someone being coming up with a very great idea, very smart, and at the same time an example of an industry that has been very complacent, that, that has been there thinking perhaps that they're going to have business forever and not doing anything. And, and we've seen that in so many uh, cases. You know, if you go back to, I don't know, maybe once upon a time you had a Nokia as a, as a mobile Mm -hmm. uh, or as a cell that you call it in the yep. US. Uh, and then maybe you later had a, uh, what was it called? Um, what were the other ones uh, that came after that? Um, I can't remember now. Uh, but, but also Kodak, for example, was another example. So, so because technology moves so quickly and so fast and the people are coming up with their entrepreneurs with so many ideas, if, if industry, if certain pockets of the industry don't move on, they'll they'll lose business. And then, of course, they get upset and they try the, the government to make decisions to, uh, we get into politics again, you know, try to block people. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think Uber is a good example uh, of showing all these kinds of issues and problems. I mean, I, I, I don't have a particular view whether they think something right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and to be perfectly honest, maybe I don't know it enough um, to to make a judgment of in in that sense. You know, BlackBerry—that's the one I was thinking. Sure. I bet you probably had a, a BlackBerry at some point. Yeah. I mean, some people still have them, but today most people will have a you know a, a, an Apple or equivalent kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess the lesson is that that you got to move on. You got to keep up with technology in 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 a way. And understand the technology, the impact this is having on us. Yeah, it's always a double-edged sword. I think. Sure. You know, everything, everything in this life, I look at it, has got pros and cons. You know, it, there's no always something that is the 
the, the, the best solution. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if you look at uh, uh, weapons, for example, you know, uh, it's the same thing. You know, it, it, energy technology is there. And, and, and this is, for me, the link to leadership. It goes back to us. We are, we are free human beings. We got, we're supposed to have intelligence and wisdom to make the right decisions. Um, and, and at the moment, it, there is a, a big lack of trust in the world. We don't trust each other. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We don't trust each other, which is very sad, I think. Mm. How do we rebuild that trust? How we build that trust? <laughs> Great question. Well, I think, I think, unfortunately, part of how we are is that we need to experience crisis to realize how many problems have we got. Uh, it seems history re- seems to be repeating itself. But building trust is about um, relationships. Is about taking risks. Is about it can only be done through through relationships and, it, and that's why my book is all about relationships leadership is about relationships but it starts first with you in a sense you know um i, I mentioned about building character earlier mm-hmm. it starts with you and about getting a clarity a lot of people talk about happiness those days as well okay and everybody at the end of the day if you ask them they might admit it or not but everybody wants to be happy who doesn't want to be happy now, that doesn't mean that you are in a, in a bubble world, in a fantasy world, in Disneyland. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about finding a way to live in your life and to work and express yourself that is fulfilling for you. And, and to do that and to do it properly, you need to understand who you are. What are your strengths? Uh, that's something else that traditionally we've never focused so much. Mm-hmm. We're always very good in finding what's wrong with people. So finding what strengths and, and how can you apply those things and also, again, as I said earlier, building your character. So, uh, and building character, just in case that any listener questions, what does that mean? Well, that means that you will do the right thing according to you, by you, despite external pressures. That's what building character means. Mm-hmm. Being a person of integrity, being a person that can be trusted. And that's where we trust starts, trust with yourself. You know, uh, be, be, be a man or a woman, a person of your word being clear on who you are and what you want to do, setting your goals, your values, and so forth, and principles. So so then people start to see you as identifying you as someone like that, someone to look upon. And that's part of leadership already. Because when people do that, and, and you become a role model, whether, whether you realize it or not, that's already exercising leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, sending a message through everything you do in life. And, and and in many cases, helping people. Like, for example, I do the work I do. My work is part of, you know, help others, if you like, to, to develop themselves and develop leadership. But, but building trust requires a lot of commitment, requires first knowing yourself, self-awareness that we talk about. Mm-hmm. It requires a, a commitment and a clarity about what you do in life and, and, and just going there and do it. You know, and, and leading by those principles like respecting others, uh, not blaming people when things go wrong, keeping your promises. So all these things at the end of the day adds up uh, to build trust. Mm-hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So let's talk about this idea of what you mean by leading without maps. Um, you know, as somebody who, who believes that, you know, my work comes without a map, um, I, that really kind of struck a chord with me. So I want to do a deeper dive into that. What do you mean by that? All right. Well, let me... Can I tell you a little story? Yes, absolutely. So, so one day, there was a group of senior managers 
very successful um, senior managers that decided to challenge themselves uh, to leave a legacy in the world. And these guys have done everything, had all the money in the world. So they decided to climb Mount Everest. And they were all very excited at first, savoring basically the adventure of their lives. And on the second day, unexpectedly, a big storm came along and triggered an avalanche. And to make things worse, the the porter, the Sherpa that was carrying things, fell off a cliff carrying valuable supplies. So they were literally shocked, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then the next day, still confused, they decided to resume the journey. And after two days of going around in circles, they felt they declared themselves lost. So isolation amplified, cold, hunger, you know, they just really thought they were going to die. And all of a sudden, one of them pulled up a map from the backpack. He says, look, I found a map. So they all gathered together. And all of a sudden, when they saw the map, they all got excited. They went from being demolarized with no energy, no hope, to being very energized, very hopeful, very excited. In fact, uh, they start working again. They recalibrated, going back to the base. And, and they remember things like, for example, one said, oh, I remember a Norwegian climber that told me that in those cases we should really work steady pace one behind the other uh, and be very aware to our surroundings. So with all this, within another two days, they got back to the base. They were exhausted, they were tired, they were hungry, but they were safe, alive and safe. Now, the amazing thing was that when they looked at the map, it wasn't the map of the Mount Everest. It was a map of elsewhere that is about 200 k's away from that. So how on earth managed to get back? Well, they managed to get back because whether the map was the map of Himalayas or not, it was kind of irrelevant. What the map did is provided them the hope, the energy, the resilience to go back and move on to trigger all their resources and start working as a group. And and that's why I say that you don't live with maps today. We live in such a complex world that is changing all the times. Once upon a time, organizations had a strategy and that was it. Today, a strategy, I'm not saying you should not have a strategy. I'm saying that strategy means much less than it meant before. Because before you know it, a new technology comes in, the market has changed. Um, so so it's, it, you don't rely on maps. You make the terrain, you make the map as they did, as you go. And, and you need to rely more on each other, you need to trust more each other, and you need to trust more your experience as well. So, so that's what I mean by living without maps, which by the way, reminds me of a poet, a Spanish poet, called Antonio Machado, that has got a point that talks about wayfarer. He says, wayfarer, you make the way as you go. And, and, and I know that sounds very challenging, but, but you got to live one day from the other. You got you to, gotta, and I think if you really listen to, to this, and, and I think, I'm sure your listeners will identify with that, you can plan many things for today or tomorrow, 
But you well know that really it'll go as the plan. You'll have phone calls, things will happen, and you'll have to deviate. So leadership is about being able to deal with whatever comes up in the next five minutes. Uh, and that's something else I talk about when I run my programs and, and that thing. A lot of people want, oh, what is the content? We want a structure. But we live in a world that you've got to let go of that. And if you build confidence, if you build character, if you build hope and resilience, you go somewhere and, and, and you will deal with whatever comes up. And that's what we need in the world today. Uh, that expectation that, that we'll live in a predictable world is gone. And quite frankly, I, I would think it's boring. <laughs> I mean, to a degree, um, uh, challenges that kind of keep you alive, you know. So, so yeah, that's what I call without maps, that, that there's no longer maps that will tell you where to go. You need to, and if you find them, well, that's fantastic. But the reality is that you, you need to make the, the terrain, the, the, the way as you go. Now, what about errors? Like mistakes? Yeah. I mean, I know you, you've dedicated a section to that in the book as well. Yeah. Um, as I was mentioning earlier uh, in the book, I think that this is, is fundamental in terms of learning. Um, and errors, particularly what, what errors you made in life. Um, one, of, one of the great, if not the greatest errors that I made at some point is not admitting to myself and to others that I've made errors. I was conditioned, and I think to a degree many of us are, that if if we admit errors or mistakes, is like we are, um, it's not acceptable. So I, I think that's wrong in that sense. So, so it's very important that we overcome errors, that, that making an error doesn't make you a, a, a better or a worse person. So, and, and vulnerable, you were talking about building trust earlier, mm. admitting errors, admitting that you made errors and sharing errors with other people, making yourself vulnerable, that builds trust. I mean, um, I actually spoken with many leaders sometimes that they, they ask that question now, how can I get closer and build up to the trim? Well, says, well, have you, I say to them, have you shared any stories where you've made mistakes learning, you know? And sometimes they don't see the connection. I says, well, if you appear to be a very highly successful person in front of your team and that never made a mistake, never fail, you know, they're not going to relate to you because some of these people are failing every day. And if they need to build the confidence by you sharing your made errors, is going to establish a connection. They're going to trust you more. So errors is, is a very important, yeah. And I know that it's a strong conditioning that we should not talk about our errors mm -hmm. because then we, we perceive as being incompetent. So it's a big obstacle. So one of the things that I'm really curious about is, um, you know, why is it that when we do performance improvement plans, I know because having been put on them, but that was pretty much the end of my, my time in the corporate world. But uh, like I noticed almost all performance improvement efforts basically work on amplifying the, or, you know, tr fixing the things that people suck at as opposed to doing things that they're really good, like, you know, amplifying their strengths. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. why is that the default? Well, that, that is actually a very important thing. And it's it just in recent years, it's coming up a lot. And it's a lot of organizations are, are changing gears. But to get a job, you get your job description. Um, they tell you what to do. 
uh, after a while, a few, a few months, a few after a few months, most people, uh, you know, the honeymoon is gone. They find out that they're there not to do exactly what they were asked to do. I referred in the book. I referred to this about the breach of psychological contracts. In fact, I had an email from someone yesterday who was telling me about that. But but I think that people focus or have been tempted to focus on what needs to get done, and and had that mentality that anyone can kind of do it. And at the end of the day, we all di- we all the same, but we all very different. So we know through research that if people spend time doing what they're best at it, they they put their talents and their strengths into play. That's a great source of. I was talking about happiness earlier or satisfaction, mm-hmm. and and they do it better. So the key is to finding well, what what you people are good at. See, is the old the old mentality that leaders in particular or people need to be uh, well-rounded people, they call it, well-rounded people, like a circle. We know today that what you want is actually um, people that apply their strengths, their key strengths, three, five. So it's more like a star. So people today are not circles, they're stars, and so they should be. You know, you look at a, a great player, a basketball player or or a football player that is, is good at the front or strike at you, would you put them as the goalkeeper? No. Of course. Yeah. Having said this, you want a team that is well-rounded. So if you get all stars, you get a good, well-rounded team. And those are winning teams, you know. Mm-hmm. And the players know each other's strengths. So managers or leaders should spend a lot of time with the teams having those conversations. And many, they don't see that as productive. So oh, I've got things to do. See, they focus too much on the task and not in actual the people building the team. And this is critically important because the other thing that does, it doesn't build what we call psychological safety. Going back to trust that you've mentioned earlier, again, that's why it's so important. If people don't talk together about their challenges, what they don't know and their mistakes, mm-hmm. then they move on. And that's why change fails. But people talk about up to 70% of change initiatives failing. you, you got to focus first on the people and building a very solid team, building the trust. So, the, you know, the most successful teams are the ones that people talk very openly and candidly about each other and they share the errors, going back to errors and going back to trust. Uh, Google did a great project and that's uh, one of the things they found out, you know. The, the best teams were those ones that they learn how to talk very openly about themselves, whether they knew things or they didn't know things, when they were making mistakes, because then everybody knew and they were all on the same page. Uh, and for, for many managers and leaders, this sounds paradoxical. They just don't get it. They go rush, 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 doing things, and, and it just doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this idea of self-leadership and how one can, you know, develop that in, the, in themselves. Well, self-leadership is, is the foundation of leadership, is developing your own leadership. And essentially is about um, a little bit what I was alluding to earlier. is about understanding who you are as a human being, understanding what, what, what are your strengths, uh, understanding where do you want to go, goal setting, um, understanding how do you arrive where you are, what, what shape your your life in a sense. A lot of people have opinions, have worldviews, 
and maybe have no idea why they have those. So it's questioning, questioning why I think the way I think. Um, because I think that we're not just our opinions, we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings. I think that we are uh, above all this, you know. And it's only by becoming aware of that that we can change it. So, so in, a, in essence, is building self-awareness and building character. That's how you. Uh, that's how you build self-leadership. Self-leadership is about leading yourself. You know, finding in life a way where to go and having the drive and the motivation and the commitment to get there. The energy. It's almost about. I know it sounds a bit over the top, but kind of being self-sufficient somehow. Mm-hmm. being clear about where you're going in life yeah well i think that makes a, a perfect transition uh to talk a little bit about values and ethics so you know one of the things that I, i'm thinking about is is you know looking at this heading of values and ethics is you know i when i was making career choices very early post-college um nobody ever talked to me about you know thinking about what it is that i actually you know placed value on it was always about how impressive will this look on a resume and how much does it pay yes. like values were yes pretty much, you know, given a back seat. And, you know, perhaps that's changing more and more based on the fact that we have access to information. We have access to people like you through podcasts. But I, I'm curious, like, why is that not prioritized so early in our careers? Um, and, and what is the what is the impact on leadership and, you know, self-satisfaction with a career, when, you know, uh, when it comes to values? What a great question. What a great question. I mean, same for me, by the way. <clears throat> I went to school, never heard about values. Never heard about emotional intelligence. Uh, never heard about leadership, in a sense, which I think now things are changing. And I hope my dream is that one day at schools, they'll, and I know there are some, they, they'll do it, but but old schools will teach leadership as something very important as a subject. But yeah, values, values is an interesting one because we had a bit of a values fever, I think. But values is understanding what had made you to to desire to value or be driven to certain things and others. So, so it's, it's like a decision making um, component in your life. We, we we make decisions based on what we value, and and they change over life. They change over time. You know, um, I don't know as a young man many years ago, uh, I valued. I didn't know what I valued. To be perfectly honest. People would ask me, what are you going to do when you grow up? And uh, my father happened to be a doctor. So that's what I would say, you know. And, and I knew there was family pressure. So I would, and this tends to happen a lot. That's very important. You've mentioned it earlier. It says you, you, you just want it to be like, you know, put your resume, put a front, you know, put a nice front. And I think that's that's kind of dangerous in a way if we take it to, to at heart and we don't challenge it, you know, because that is what I was saying that, not admitting errors, you become preoccupied with putting a nice front, but but the inside is very messy. Um, and this links to authentic leadership, is how to be authentic, you know. And, and this requires work because the environment, the pressure from outside um, is, is not conducive to this. So building characters, getting that clarity, that goes back again to self-leadership, and, and making sure that when you present yourself, this is who you are, and that will derive satisfaction. And, va- and values change. I mean, uh, as I said, as a young man, maybe that the values that, that, that 
you had or I had at least that were more like come from outside and then through moving in life I realized that well that's not really what I like you know what do I like what drives me and and this takes um, takes a search takes time to, to, to look at you know and, and values to be perfect sometimes become a bit of a a rhetoric in organizations you know they always uh, honesty teamwork collaboration but you go there in reality and it's none of that you know become like a wallpaper mm-hmm. so so part of what people need to do in organizations is trying to challenge that so if things are happening in a way that is contrary to our values being able to stand up and speak up and be given that right um, so again it's about building trust collaboration you know great teams great organizations um, work around that but at least try to mm-hmm. so um, and, Yeah, sorry, go on. No. Um, so what is the impact of, of leadership on performance, uh, you know, not just from the leaders themselves, but the people that are around them? Well, leadership drives performance. Um, I, I was asked to write a little blog yesterday, and it was about how you build credibility as a leader. That, that was the blog about, and, and why it's important. So, so you start by building trust, as you mentioned earlier, um, being fair to people, fairness is very important. If you treat people differently, if you bully people, if you discriminate people, that's no good. So you need to be fair. You need to fulfill the expectations that others expect from you. So you put those three things together, that's credibility. And that's that's an assessment that people make about you. It's a, it's a thinking, it's a mental process. But if you get all the ticks, you get high levels of that credibility, then people start to get connected with you emotionally. It means they, they are satisfied about working with you and they are committed. And this is extremely important. Motiv- commitment is even more important than motivation because motivation is what to begin things, but commitment is to continue things. So when you've got all these elements, then is when you get into the, um, the hands that I call it. So... So the, the, the credibility piece is the head, the mental, the assessment. Then it becomes the heart, if you like, as a symbol. That's the satisfaction and the commitment, the emotional connection, which is very, very important. And the third one is the hands. And that is what, uh, what is the, the, I call it the discretionary effort, which means making the, the extra effort, going the extra mile, going way beyond what's expected from you. And the other one, interestingly enough, is the innovation, is the creative thinking. Because when you feel um, satisfied and committed, you so well that the, you become creative, like the people in the mountains with the map. Once they found the map, it wasn't the, 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 the right map, but that doesn't matter in that sense. The map triggered the hope, triggered the, the energy again, and the creativity. So once you've got all these elements together, that's when people will move mountains for you. And I know everybody wants that, but but they don't understand that it needs to be in that sequence. It starts with you telling the truth, being transparent, building trust, treating, treating people respectfully, fulfilling the expectations. So that's a lot of things when you think about it. And and this, you have to do that. That's hard work. Mm-hmm. And then becomes the rest of it. Mm. 
Wow. Um, well, you have packed uh, a lot of insight into 45 minutes. So I want to finish with one last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, like unique. However you define it. Yeah. What makes someone unmistakable? I think it's being, being um, true to your character. Um, I mean, if I had to choose a, a very short and simple way to say is find what's your character, build your character, and be true to your character. Because the first thing that will happen is that you'll be immensely satisfied with yourself. And this is what matters the most at the end of the day. Be true to yourself, be authentic to yourself by being true to your character, building your character, and integrate your character. Because if you do that, everything else will, 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 will happen almost spontaneously. Because you, you will exude energy, you will exude satisfaction, happiness, if you like. And, and this inspires people. Hmm. This helps people. So that would be my message. Hmm. Find out what really character is. And as I said earlier, character is about being true to yourself and doing the right things that you feel you need to do despite outside uh, pressures. But you need to find out what, what is this inner compact, what is, what is that character. And obviously that goes together with what are my strengths, what am I good at, what is unique about me, and what is the combination of that. Like, like I know my top five strengths, for example, um, which is you know, strategic, um, activator, uh, maximizer, self-assurance, and, and uh, coordinator. It's a unique combination. It's very rare to find. So that, that gives you that uniqueness, that being unmistakable, as you said. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us uh, and share your story and your insights with our listeners. Where can people learn uh, more about you, your work, and the book? Uh, they can go, um, they can actually purchase the book in, in Amazon, or they can go into my website, which is um, leadershipresults.com. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.